Thank you, Jesus. God is good, isn't he? Isn't he always good? He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Did you know that? You are so important to God. Every single individual is important to God. Every single one. You know, I've been, I was thinking about this just a couple weeks ago. And just the Holy Spirit's reminding me right now. We've had an epidemic in this nation really for forever. It's been, it's even recorded in our Bible. But in this nation, we legalized abortion. What, some 40 plus years ago now. And it's a death we're literally taking life. God's bringing life and we're taking it. And I was just meditating on this, though, what it truly is that's happening. And if you have any part of that process, the Lord's grace and mercy, you know, the Lord loves you. The Lord's got grace and mercy. If you had anything to do with abortion in your life, there's forgiveness and there's grace and mercy. I must say that, say that first for those listening in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Just give it to him. But it's a death. You're killing life that God brought or is bringing into the earth. But, you know, the Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes to give life and life abundantly, right? Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. So I started to meditate on this idea. If... The devil is instigating abortion because it's killing, right? It's murder. It's not instigated by God, that's for sure. Then it must be instigated by the darkness, the influence of Satan in this earth. Well, that's interesting. Because who believes that those babies go right to heaven? Anybody in here want to accuse those babies, send those babies to hell? Anybody willing to stand up and say those babies go to hell? That tells me that if the devil is willing to send them instantly to heaven, he would rather them instantly go to heaven than come into the earth and do or be who God called them to be on this earth. Let's just think about that for a minute. As horrible as it is, he is willingly influencing people to send their children to heaven. Why would Satan want you to go to heaven? That tells me how important our lives is on this earth. He would rather one person go to heaven than them open their mouth and represent God. Even though many of those children, if they were born into this earth, right? Many of those, if they were born into this earth, could choose to not live for the Lord and live for darkness and actually be one of his witnesses. He's not willing to take the chance of one person. The Bible tells us in James that Elijah was one person, yet when he opened his mouth, when he joined with God, God said, I want you to go and pray. 
want you to go and warn Ahab, it's, it's going to rain. And when Elijah got together with the will of God and got on his face and prayed it through, come on, the will of God was already there. God spoke the will. Elijah didn't pray anything that God didn't already ordain. But when you grab a hold of the will of God and you begin to pray that out, this is the importance of who you are on this earth. It says that when he began to pray, we just mentioned this verse on, on Tuesday. His servant comes back after the seventh time he prayed, and he only saw the cloud <laughs> the size of a man's hand, and he said, get ready. He had joined together with God's plan, one person, and he brought a change to the physical. You have to understand this. One person who gets a hold of God's will and begins to speak it out and proclaim it on this earth that stands in the gap, changed. He didn't change something in heaven. He grabbed a hold of what God had already changed in heaven. Come on, God had already decreed it in heaven. He grabbed a hold of what God had decreed in heaven and brought it down to the earth and spoke it and prayed it out and God did it. If the devil can't stop you from believing in Jesus, then his next strategy, right? If he can't keep you from going to heaven, you believe in Jesus. Then what he'll try to do is shut your mouth. He'll try next, the next strategy. You need to understand this. He, his next strategy is to just to keep you quiet. His next strategy is, and, and it comes in many different ways. There are many things. Some are just distractions. Just get you distracted with this life. Some are even just to get you busy. You know, you can be busy with your kids doing good things and be missing the call of God. Now, there's many pastors that have neglected their own children <laughs> because they had the misbalance, they had, the, you know, an imbalance. But again, as I've been saying these, these last weeks, I said it last week, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater just because some ministers spent too much time, right, with the church and not enough time with their own children doesn't mean that then we, we can't go the other way now and get, say, well, well, I'm not letting these children go I'm not going to let them, you know, not have a good life. I'm going to pour into them. But meanwhile, the Lord's looking for that balance of you giving to them and to them. It is so important that we let the Lord do what he wants to do in us so that then he can do what he wants to do through us. It is so important. It is so important that it is not about heaven and hell. It's about God's kingdom. It's about him crushing Satan under his feet through your feet. Did you know that God crushes Satan, but he doesn't crush him with his foot. He crushes him with your foot. You know how you're not crushing Satan? Being a Christian in your bedroom, loving God, and thinking about your own self, your own day, your own stuff, that's not crushing Satan at all. 
I'm not talking about you going to heaven or hell. I'm not even touching that again. I didn't touch that last week. I'm not touching that today. It's not a heaven and hell thing. This is about why you were purposed, why you were called on this earth. The Lord has put a call and a purpose in you. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. If it wasn't so, then why do we live after we commit our lives to Jesus? Why isn't there an instant rapture? Right? Why aren't we okay? Now they've committed. Let's go to heaven. You know why? Because it says in the book of Romans, it says in the book of Romans, and let me just find it because the Holy Spirit's bringing it to me. It's here in chapter 10, verse 14. Actually, verse 13. Everybody say this out loud. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? Who believes that if we call on the Lord, you'll be saved because the Scriptures say it? Who believes that in order to call on Him, we must believe? The Bible actually says here in this verse that in order to call, to call to be, you, you call on Him to be saved. But you must believe first. Right? That's the belief and the confession. When you start confessing, right? When somebody, and you know when someone's saved, because what happens? And when someone's truly saved, you can't help them from confessing it. When someone keeps it to themselves, that's between God and them. I'm not judging. I'm just perceiving, this is my opinion, that maybe they haven't finished the work, that place of belief and unbelief with God yet. Because once they believe, you can't help but start calling and confessing and proclaiming. But it says this, my point, that's a side point, just as valid, not what we're speaking about today. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Isn't this amazing? Isn't God's word amazing? If you call on him, you'll be saved. But in order to call, you must believe. In order to believe, you must have heard. God spoke that to you, right? God did not speak that to you. He did. I don't want to take his headship away. But he spoke it not from heaven, but on the earth through another human being, just as I'm doing now, just as someone may be listening and saying, I'm hearing for the first time, or I'm hearing and I'm going to finally believe. Come on, amen. And how can they hear? Everybody say, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's why Satan is willing to abort millions. In fact, I, I'm, I have heard that throughout the world, this is undocumented because they don't want to document this, but through the channels I listen to, <laughs> real news, real, real truth, that there has been one billion abortions worldwide. 
We say there's over 40 million here in the U.S., but worldwide, we're only 2% of the population, so do the math, it's not that hard to believe. Since we're really the least on that scale, you've got some countries, and it's much, much more prevalent and has been for longer. A billion abortions. So the devil kills them and has sent a billion souls to heaven because one voice, man, imagine a billion voices. Okay, imagine today, right? There's very little Christians out of the whole world and that, is a, that should break your heart. That shouldn't puff you up in pride. That should crush you and just make you thankful that you know him. Imagine just a portion. Imagine only 10 out of that whole billion spoke for Jesus Christ. And I don't want to take anything away from you. Every one of you in here is important. But, so I don't want to elevate one over the other, but let's just think of a Billy Graham. One person who literally got to preach to millions upon millions upon millions across the whole world, just one voice. And he could have gone other ways, too. If you read his story, he had the opportunity to go other directions. He was into other things. There was other things in his life. You can go read his biography and find out his story, but chose the Lord. Our purpose on this earth is not... It's so hard to say. I'm going to try to say it in words. Your purpose in God is to know him. Your purpose on the earth is not to know God. Because technically, and I don't have time, and I've preached it many, many times, we can go to Colossians 3, we can go back to Romans chapter 6, and there's other verses as well that talk about our death. You have already died. You've already died. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, when you fully committed yourself to Christ, you died. Say, I died. You died. But yet there's still a you living on this earth. Who is that you on this earth? It is the Lord's light. As I said last week, you are the light of the world. You are the salt. He said, if it loses, if you lose your saltiness, you're worthless to me. He said, you know what they do with worthless salt? They use it for pavement. They throw it in the streets. We can't even use it in the ground. It's just worthless. Your purpose in God is to know him, but that's in a heavenly place. You are not a citizen of this earth. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. Say, I am in this world, but I am not of this world. Your purpose in heaven, which is right now, I know it's hard for your mind to get, but you are in heaven right now. That's the Bible. That's not my opinion. You were actually in him before time began. He says, even when you were in your mother's womb, I already knew you. <laughs> that's big stuff. That's beyond, that's mind, right? Mind explosion stuff. <laughs> we can't comprehend that. But God placed you, come on. I say this many, many times. I'm going to say it again. Jesus did not come to the earth to become a king. He didn't come to the earth to show the devil anything. 
What he showed the devil was that I'm going to rescue. He took the keys of hell and took the keys of sin and took the keys of death from him. He showed him that he would do something for us. His kingship was never in question. His lordship was never in question. The cross wasn't the path for him to become Lord. He was already Lord. We can go to John 1, and it's clear that Jesus was already, he was with the Father. When, he, when the Father, if, the, if Jesus is the voice on the earth, then John 1 makes a lot of sense that when God spoke, he spoke through Jesus. That's what John 1 says. So really, it's, it's splitting hairs because all, it's all God, but Jesus spoke. If you really understand the scriptures, Jesus spoke. When God spoke, it was Jesus. He's the voice, right? There's God the Father, the Sovereign, the Head, the Fathership, and then there's the voice of God on the earth, and that's Jesus. So Jesus was already Lord, but his purpose on the earth, come on, when Jesus argued, you know, Jesus argued with the Father in a, in a good way, just like, just like, as we said, just like Abraham did with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a good arguing. It's not, uh, not that I'm not going to submit to you, but Lord, please, is there anything that we can do about this cross thing? And I bring this up a lot because it's so important for us to understand as Christians that Jesus chose the will of God by choice. He submitted and he said, for this is, right, his purpose, my purpose. This is the purpose your purpose is not to be blessed. Your purpose is not to have a good life. Those are just byproducts. God does those things because of his goodness, because God's good. He takes care of you, right? He blesses you. He thro shows his, throws his love on you. Even our children, you know, the Bible says the greatest blessing is children. It's a blessing upon, of, from God. That's not your purpose, though. In fact, if you really want to understand who, what children are, you have to go back to Adam again. Come on, I love going to Adam. What did he tell Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. When did he say that? Before or after the garden? He said it in the garden. What were they going to be fruitful and multiplying of? God's glory. God's nature, as we started to look into last week. They were the very nature of God. What they were supposed to multiply was not the sin nature that came after. That's what the, the reason the devil could get them twisted up and messed up and into themselves and looking at themselves, got them out of the garden. Well, so now that the multiplication, what happened? You and I were born multiplied. Who here was multiplied? If you are here, you are multiplied. No test tube babies here. And even that, they're using God's stuff. Can't make them on their own. They can do whatever they want in laboratories. It's still God's DNA that they're borrowing. They can twist it, mess it up, and mix it up, and they're still making something from what God made. They can't make, there's nothing synthetic. You know when they say synthetic, it's not God made? It's, that's really funny to me. All they're doing is twisting and turning what God made, but it, they still use, they don't use nothing. Synthetic is not nothing, it's still something, just not what it originally was. So God made man and told him to multiply, the, even your children, it's the, the growing of God's 
kingdom. It's his light. You are here to spread the light of God. You are here to preach the word of God. You are here to represent the kingdom of God. You are not here to reign as a king. (laughs) Come on. I know that this sounds like, wait, what is he saying? We will reign with him forever and ever and ever. But there is a time being, it's, it's, it's much like, well, one day you can be a doctor or a nurse practitioner. Sister Kelly's just about to graduate. Lots and lots and lots of school. Just another month. It's a long, long journey. But that's great. But if seven years ago she was like, I want to be a nurse practitioner and that's it, I'm going to become one and don't go through the process, then they're going to be looking at you at the colleges or when you go to apply for a job, like, you, I don't think you understand. There's a process. You can be that. That's great. But you must submit to the plan and the purpose and the process. And if you do, one step at a time, you will be here. One day, we will rule and reign with him as kings. The Bible even says, Jesus said, I'll wipe away all their tears. There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. What the devil will try to do, though, is try to trick you and get you to think that you can have that now. I'm not saying that purposefully make yourself... Listen, do not purposefully bring on suffering. Some Christians do. They suffer and they don't need to. They carry a cross the Lord hasn't asked them to. I'm not telling you to try to make yourself suffer. I'm just saying that part of submitting to his plan, part of submitting to God is that there is a suffering, but there's also a glory. The Bible says that that you can't even look at the suffering in comparison to the glory. There's no comparison. But in this time, everybody say, in this time, we are the light. We are his word on the earth. Jesus is the word made flesh. Where's Jesus? If you hand someone a book called the Bible, what does most of the world do with that book? But if you hand them Jesus, I'm not saying don't hand them the Bible. Some, many, many people have just picked it up and the Lord has supernaturally touched them many. But statistically and proportionally, it's not usually that way. God has also come to Muslims in, in countries in the Middle East and given them dreams and visions. And that's amazing, but that's not statistically the way it happens. We'll go to his word. His word says it's because somebody spoke it. Somebody showed them, hey, I'll give you the book next, but why don't I live the book? Let me show you the book through my lifestyle. Come on, I started talking about last week just about the dominion of God that God called us to have. Dominion that we are called to have, but dominion is not a pride thing. It is not having all the glory and all the heaven of God here on the earth. 
It is being a citizen, as the Bible says, of heaven. And even though we're citizens of heaven, say, I'm a citizen of heaven. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be weak about that. But you are not living in the human sense in heaven. Your spirit is. But the spirit is directing the human instead of the human directing the spirit. You know, for a season, your human directed your spirit. Who needs to be taught that lesson? Do I need to go into that or do you understand that? Who had their human have dominion over their spirit for a season in their life? But then we get saved and our spirit goes up. Come on. The Lord lifts you up. And our spirit is joined with the spirit. It's our spirit with the spirit. And the human now is submitted. The flesh is submitted to the spirit. I have so many places I can go, and I just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to go over to Romans 8, but first, as we, before we do, I just want to look at some verses here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Verse 15, he died for some people. He died for everyone or all so that those who receive, come on, he died for everyone, and those who receive, it's those that have heard, those that heard, those that then believed what they heard, and then out of the belief, we confess out of our mouth both to God and to people. That's always been his plan. It's not a new plan. It has always been his plan. The confession to God of your sin, right? As we believe, what happens? Really the belief and the calling tag teams for the rest of your life. Who's experienced that? Because then he keeps doing more in your life. And now you believe him more. Who believes Jesus more today than you did even just yesterday? Which calls you to do what? Call out to him more and more. And also to proclaim it to those around you. Really the issue if we are not confessing it to the Lord and proclaiming it out is that we haven't fully died yet. We haven't. And all that dying is is fully believing. It's as simple as belief, but to believe is to die. When you believe, you die. But if there's still you in there, then you don't fully believe. Don't get condemned. Come on, there is no condemnation. Romans 8, verse 1, for those in Christ Jesus do not live according to the flesh. 
There we go. I probably won't get to it, so I just did it for you. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who do not live according to the flesh. It says, he died so that everyone who, everyone that receives his new life will no longer live for, what's that word? See, we're talking about the kingdom of God these last weeks, and we're talking about the dominion that we have. You will never have dominion over anything in this earth if you can't get dominion over yourself. If you can get self figured out, the Bible just flows out of itself. <laughs> Come on. Who's, who fleshed out a little bit this week? Anybody flesh out this week? Don and I are raising our hands. We're up front raising our hands. Unashamed. I mean, I'm ashamed, but I'm unashamed because I just give it to the Lord. Romans 8 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, you will live. Well, that's interesting because the Bible says that flesh kills you, spirit gives life. And yet it's telling us that if we lived in Christ, Christ died. So then we must die. Verse say Christ died. So then we must die. Some people believe that Christ died so we don't have to die. I'm serious. There are sects of Christianity that say that there is no suffering, there is no death because Christ did it. Well, what do you do with 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Just for one. I have many. I just can't go to the others. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life no longer live. Everybody's saying no longer live. This is what the death is. You're saying I'm not dead though. I'm still sitting here. Well, this is your death. You no longer live for yourself. Did Jesus live for himself? Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And now many of you, you haven't even, uh, you don't even understand what I'm about to say. Many of you haven't even been in, in a lot of churches, but a lot of churches and a lot of pastors demand that you serve them. Do not rise up any bitterness. I'm not trying to stir up any hurts or anything in there, but a lot of leaders demand that you serve them. And in serving them, you're fulfilling the call of God in your life. And the word is actually just the opposite. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus was Jesus. You're not taking that away from him. He knew who he was in the Lord. Didn't really matter what people said. He asked them, what do you say? What do they say? But I'm still Jesus at the end of the day. You are who you are in the Lord. That's your identity. And so it doesn't matter what people say or do to you. It doesn't matter if they respect you. But the word says that if those that are, in, those that are leading are called to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So the death is that it's no longer you. It's no longer your opinion. It's no longer what will make you happy. It's no longer what you want anymore. Many times the reason the flesh rises up is because what? Something took too long. Somebody didn't do something the way we wanted them to do it. 
I don't think that Jesus, I wonder what he was thinking as they were nailing him to the cross if things were going the way he wanted. Ow, that hurts. Why? Okay. All right. Hold on. What are you doing putting a nail in my hand? Imagine Jesus fleshing out. Oh, excuse me. Okay, fine. Crucifix, fine. I'll submit. I'll be Christ on the cross, but seriously, do you have to hammer the nail that hard? No, I know it's, it's funny, but seriously. It's funny, but we do it all day, every day. We're Christians till you get our breaking point. Oh, wow. That was a sen- I just hit a sensitive spot. That was the pin. I just pricked today. That's it. We're Christians until you hit that spot. That's it. Now you cross the line. When did they cross the line with Jesus? When, like before or after they took the sledgehammer and nailed the nail that was like as big as my thumb into his hand. When do we have the right to flesh out? Anybody want to get up there and be bold enough? You can come on up here and answer that question. I don't. We don't have any rights. Instead, it says they will live for Christ. Being a Christian is not living for yourself. It's living for Christ. Let's define it by the Bible and not by Christians anymore. And that is not me. uh, I don't want to hurt anybody else. I'm not naming any name. You can assume that is whoever you want. But unfortunately, we've seen too much Christianity. I don't even tell people I'm a Christian most of the time because then people have their own stigma to that. I say I'm a Jesus freak. I'm going to say something to shock them. I'm in love with Jesus. So they're like, whoa, so what does that mean? Because you say Christian, oh. Okay. Verse 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. See, you can't earn it, but you must maintain it. This is, well, I, I, <laughs> this is a sensitive topic. You can't earn it, but you must maintain it. He just told us you don't live for yourself. But what do you do? Are you just one of those, what do we call those puppets with the strings? That's not a trick question. Anybody know? Yeah, sure. Whatever that is. Marionette. (laughs) We're not marionettes. The Lord's not. Anybody come here because the Lord made you this morning? I mean, the Lord prompted you. Most of you actually fought God to get here, right? (laughs) We do every week. I mean, you're not saying, God, I don't want to go, but we're tired. There's always other things to do. 
but we choose not to live for ourselves, but to submit ourselves to the Lord. But it's a gift from Him at the same time, and this can only be understood in God. It's a gift from Him, but yet it's our also us. It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself. And now this is important, verse 18, because we've been talking about Adam, we're talking about the garden, we're talking about the dominion that we used to have, which was when we were without sin. Adam and Eve lost their dominion because they sinned, because they disobeyed God. Their dominion was in obedience to God. Obedience equals dominion. Disobedience equals Satan having dominion over you. Satan took the dominion. What he was trying to get them to do was to come into his realm. I don't have time. I thought I would, but we find in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had an encounter with Satan, didn't he? And Jesus said it. Jesus said it. He said it to him. I mean, he said it of him that he's the God of this world. And then when Satan tempted him and said, if you will kneel down, if you will bow to me, I will give you all of this world. That's not a temptation. Come on. If somebody tempted me to eat acid, that's not a temptation. It has no power. Somebody right now had a filet mignon on that front row, said, stop preaching and eat. I might think about it. <laughs> Not very hard, sorry. Bad example. It's only a temptation in order to be a temptation if it had substance to it. And he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. What Satan tried to do is if he could get them into sin, then he could get them into his world. Tried doing the same thing with Jesus. Bow down to me you can have this whole world. You just, you don't submit to the Father. It sounds so close because he's like, well, you know, uh, you'll still have, right? Jesus is Lord over all. He's technically right now where he is, is over the earth. He's had everything. He is everything. So, but Satan was trying to get him to do it and get it in his own strength and in a time that is not, you have dominion, but the time to reign as a king is not yet. I'm saying a lot of things at once. I know it's a lot of things. It's like my brain's like a funnel. I've said it before. It's like a funnel, and I'm trying to funnel in to a block of time. Everybody says we'll just do it next week. Well, easy to say, hard to do. But he brought us back. That's the point. He brought us back into that place through Christ. Christ took the tree of good and evil and chopped it down. And like we, we have to understand this picture. Jesus is the tree of life. And they were eating freely of the tree of life. But if they ate of sin, of disobedience... He said, they can't eat the tree of life anymore. So Jesus said, I'm the tree of life. I'll be life. I'm life. Come through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
But if we think we can still eat of the tree of good and evil, the tree of disobedience, and the tree of life, we're deceiving ourselves. You're just giving your dominion back to Satan with a Christian label. Lord woke me up this week. I mean, woke me up. Actually, really scared me. I went into prayer for a long time because I asked him for me personally. I said, Lord, you speaking to me? But Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, it says, Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, or however you want to interpret it, you sinners. And if you back up a few verses, it says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do my will. Only those who do my will. It's very clear. Jesus is the only way. He is the tree of life. He's restored us. But we have to submit to him. We cannot take an apple from his tree and then an apple from the tree of sin. You cannot do both. Because the old has died, the new life has begun. And this is, and God has given us, everybody say he's given us, this task. It's not about you. The only reason you're still here is because there's people that need him just like you did. I'm telling you, the Lord will take care of you. If you are sick, then pray. And ask the other brothers and sisters to pray. If you need him to pay your bills, don't say, well, this is part of my suffering. That's the suffering I'm talking about that Christians put on themselves in some sort of like, uh, you know, self-infliction. You know, the whipping of the back and all these other weird demonic, right, things. I'm, I'm going to do some sort of penance on myself. This is part of my cross to bear. No. You have an issue. You go to the Lord and you ask him to take care of it for you. It's just not what you're about, though. In fact, I go to the Lord like this. Lord, if you want me to keep doing what you asked me to do, then you have to pay this bill. I'm not telling him in pride or anything. I'm just like, Lord... Both are asking something of me. I'll reject that. I'm going to serve you, but this is still going to come following me. So Jesus said, I got an answer for that too. Hey, Peter, they want us to pay our taxes. Just go down to the water, pull out the fish. There's one for you and for me in there. And go pay them. Who's had the Lord do that when you serve his kingdom? Come on. We're about his kingdom right in here. We're about the kingdom. He's given us the task of reconciling people to him. I thought that was Jesus' job, to reconcile himself to you. It's our job. It's our job. He put it in you to get it through you. In fact, verse 20 says, We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. It's still his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God is good, isn't he? He's so good to us. I love him and I love his word. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in us, Lord. Holy Spirit, for what you did in us just in this very moment. 
Lord, I pray we would just lay down our arms. We just lay down the arms. I just want your eyes closed just for a minute. I never do this, and I just want you to keep your eyes closed. And then those listening to on the podcast, just close your eyes. I just want you to deal with God. And anything inside you that is warring for you, let it go. And if your first thought is, well, Lord, but, but you don't know what they said, what they did, etc. Right there, that should be the red flag. Don't feel condemned, but that's your red flag that you're in yourself. Let it go. Just as Jesus let it go. Just like Jesus said, 70 times 7. Not 7 times to forgive, 70 times 7. But Lord, it's so hard, I can't do this anymore. Yes, you can, and I'll help you. Just settle it with him. Take your sword and put it down. We just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that our witness is going to be pure and clean. It's going to be the 100% full word of God, the whole gospel, the truth of the kingdom, the welcoming into the kingdom, Lord, and we're not going to let ourselves get in the way. Lord, you have purpose to use us and to work through us. And Lord Jesus, we just settle it right now. We just die where we haven't died so that you can be God through us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.